1: On this Tuesday morning, it is Taz and the Moose with you. A lot of football reacting to the Monday night game, all the drama, the two injury, plenty to chat about. As right now, we welcome aboard a friend of the program, and that is uh, Bobby Carpenter, NFL analyst, seven-year NFL linebacker, star at Ohio State in the National Football League. He joins us now. Hey, Bobby, Taz and the Moose with you. Thanks for a couple minutes this morning. What's
2: up, Bobby? Taz, Moose, always a pleasure, gentlemen.
1: How are you doing, Bobby? Everything Good. Yeah, I'm good. Just the point
2: in the year, you know, you're getting around the holidays, uh, all the travel, working, you know, TV, radio. It's a little bit of a grind, but I guess it's nothing relative to playing, but you just get a little tired, get a little cold at this point in the year.
1: No, I can understand it. I can understand it. You know, Bobby, we're having a a good conversation in terms of MVP in the National Football League, right? Uh, Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson. Uh, Right now, who do you think, who would you give your MVP vote to?
2: Uh, you know, surprisingly, I did not think I would be saying this at the beginning of the year because I thought he had a lot of work to, to do, a lot of room to grow. But, you know, you would have to argue that it's Lamar Jackson. I, I, don't, I think that with what he's been able to do, they've, they've built an offense around him, you know, with some of the unique uh, personnel groupings. He had three tight ends on the field a lot. But his ability to just change the game with his legs is something that, you know, people say you haven't seen since, like, a Michael Vick, maybe a Randall Cunningham. You know, but I would argue – He's just as fast, if not maybe even more elusive than those guys, but he's bigger and he's strong. So he pulls through tackles. Rarely do you see guys get a solid hit on him. He gets out of bounds. He's got great top-end speed. And then what's probably most impressive is, you know, he he throws the football with, with pretty great and impressive touch. Like, he may not necessarily have that cannon of an arm and be able to push the ball, like, on a rope outside the numbers, but with what he does in their play-action game and his ability to just flip his wrist and drop a ball in the bucket, like it's, it's pretty impressive. And I didn't think he'd be this far in his development this early in his career.
0: Yeah, One more thing, uh, Bobby, if you don't mind, uh, on Lamar Jackson, because Moose and I were talking about last week and, and, and today a little bit too. Speak on it from a defensive player perspective or bring us in like a room of a, with a defensive coordinator. How difficult it is to prepare for, for Lamar Jackson because he's, he's kind of unpredictable out there once he takes that snap.
2: Yeah, and so, you know, typically the, the the verbiage you'll hear people use is we've got to spy him, which means in coverage, you know, you're going to have one guy that's locked on to, to making sure that if he scrambles, you're going to be able to chase him down when he breaks the pocket. And so what that does defensively, it limits the coverage you can run. It simplifies it for the quarterback, so it's a huge advantage for him. But the problem is with that spy, and, you know, my rookie year I did this. We played the Falcons against Michael Vick, like, I mean, I was paranoid all game. and ended up doing a pretty decent job on him. But, you know, you want to eliminate the space and close down to him. But Michael Vick was, you know, 5'11", a smaller dude. And so I was like, if I can just get my arms on him and wrap his legs, he'll be done. And so it's tough to close down on a guy like that. But if you get to him, you're good. But you watch Lamar Jackson, he's the fastest guy on the field. And then you'll see guys try to hit him with an arm tackle. And I'm watching him pull through it. And so you look at the guys you could potentially spy him with. There may only be two or three guys in the NFL that are capable of getting there. And then even once they get there, being able to tackle him and bring him to the ground. And so that's, it's a very, very precarious situation. Whenever you play him now, you're probably going to have to play a lot of zone to make sure everybody has their eyes back. And you're going to basically going to be giving up five yards most of the time because, you know, there's no way that you're going to be able to get there before he, when he breaks the pocket, before he picks up at least a little bit of a chunk of yardage.
1: Uh, Bobby, when you look at this Pats offense right now, Brady has echoed, you know, and certainly he's frustrated, a little bit concerned. Are you frustrated? Are you concerned when you look at this, what this Patriot team offensively is right now?
0: Yeah,
2: you know, they've struggled a little bit, and they're getting wins, and they're kind of ugly. But you have to remember, if you go back, you know, this isn't always, you know, the past 10 years how the Pats offense has looked. Everybody remembers kind of Randy Moss on and how they've always been. But if you look how they won their first three Super Bowls, they were a team that really played great complementary football. Like They weren't great on offense. They weren't great on defense. Their rankings were in like the low teens for both. But they played a really good game on both sides of the ball together. And so they didn't necessarily score a lot of points, but they always had, made sure that they, their defense was in good field position and didn't necessarily turn the football over. And so I look at this Pat team a little more like that. I think getting Harry back off IR, that's going to help some. But it's they're going to have to develop that rapport quickly. And, you know, they've, they've done a pretty good job of running the ball in unique and creative ways, and they're going to have to find a way to continue to do that to take pressure off of their defense, which is really good, but they're at their best when they're not on the field a lot.
0: you listen to Taz de Moussa on CBS Sports Radio. Our special guest right now is Bobby Carpenter, NFL analyst, seven-year NFL uh, linebacker. Uh, Bobby, so, uh, you know, last night, Phillip Rivers, they're playing down in Mexico, the Chargers and the – and the Chiefs, i got to ask you, man, point blank, do you think Rivers is the QB of of uh, the Chargers next year? You know, he's a free agent, and
2: with kind of how he's playing now, it doesn't look like it. You know, he still is capable of making those great throws. You saw the deep ball to Mike Williams that he drops in the bucket from 40 yards away, but, you know, he misses. he's missed a lot of throws. He, he, he was never a great athlete to begin with, but he's even less mobile now than he was. You know, heck, he's like 37, 38 years old. And they have a really young roster. Like they have young wide receivers. They've got a pretty young defense. They've got some young, talented running backs. And I don't know if you want, like, a full reset, but you're going to have to figure out what you're going to do with that position because as good as he's been for as long, as long as he has, like, I think his best days now are obviously behind him, and you're going to be moving you know, into a new stadium in L.A., and you're going to have to try to garner some attention and make sure that you're getting fans showing up because that's, that's also another big problem for the Chargers.
1: No, it certainly is, uh, Bobby. When you look at the NFC right now, obviously you got the Packers with eight wins, the Vikings with eight, the Saints with eight, the Forty ers with nine, the Seahawks with eight. Uh, you know, a lot of quality at the top. It's a wide open NFC. But Bobby, if we asked you here on this Tuesday morning, you know, which team do you think ends up st- being the last team standing uh, in the NFC? Which team would you? Which team right now would you get behind?
2: You know, I think the, the Saints are the most complete team, top to bottom. You, know, you look, they've been able to run the ball pretty well. They were they were able to tread water without Drew Brees. Their defense is really good at all three levels, so they can defend people. You know, the question becomes, like, if they don't get home field advantage, I worry a little bit about them going outside to play late in the year. You know, Drew's older. You know, he had the thumb injury, grip on the football. You know, his arm was never the strongest. And as you get older, it just kind of you know wears down throughout the course of the season. We saw that a little bit last year. I still think they're the best. I think they have the best you know, offensive mind in the NFC and Sean Payton and what he's able to do. Uh, they're a very complete team, but they're going to need home field advantage, in my opinion, if they're going to try to make a Super Bowl run.
0: Hey, Bobby, so the whole thing uh, with Garrett and Mason Rudolph and the helmet and everything, all the fight and all that jazz, are uh, you surprised um, that Mason Rudolph didn't get any games? Uh, not really. Like, I think
2: both guys probably had comparable suspensions had Garrett not swung the helmet and hit him. And, I mean, that's like a big if right. in that situation. But what he did was so egregious, I think, that it overshadowed the fact that at the beginning of the play, Mason Rudolph is frustrated because he threw four picks. Like, usually the guy that out, that has the, the outburst is the guy that struggled all day, which was Mason Rudolph. He threw four interceptions. You know, he wasn't happy about getting thrown to the ground at the end. And the arguments, well, why is Garrett sacking him? Why are you throwing a screen with ten seconds left when you're down by fourteen points? <laughs> right. Like you know, it goes both ways on that. Just run the draw, get out of the game. But uh, and then you know, he makes enough charges back into the fray, and so I think if you know, Garrett drops the helmet and they kind of scuffle a little bit. Both guys probably get like fairly equal fines, but it's the fact that the helmet overshadows everything at that point. And you know, then obviously there's Pouncy, there's Ogunjobi, like there's a lot of other factors that go into it, and then. You know, he's more the the. I don't want to call him the victim. He instigated a little bit, but he's the guy that obviously, when you look at the threshold of everything that happened, he's by far at the bottom with what he did.
1: Um, you know, we were talking about um, you know, a little bit earlier about Carolina and the Panthers, their owner coming out do you, and he said, not necessarily Cam Newton's days in Carolina are done, Bobby. Do you think Do you think Newton as a Panther is a Panther's done?
2: It kind of depends how the season turns out. You know, they were looking really good for a while without him. They've struggled a little bit. You know, Allen hasn't been quite as good lately. But you have to also look like they're maybe like two or three inches away of having a chance for a two-point conversion last week to go to overtime with Green Bay. And that may have completely changed the narrative, you know, should they win that game. So, also, they're probably going to want to see how Cam Newton responds. Like, it's tough. When you're staring at 30 years old, your explosive athlete like Cam is at his size, and you have a Liz Frank injury in your foot. Like that's been career-ending for guys, and not to say that it will be for him, but I don't know if we'll ever see Cam Newton at that elite explosive level like he was early in his career. So that's something they're going to have to kind of navigate through, you know, through the next couple months. It wouldn't shock me if he's not there. Um, I don't know if they'd be able to get much in the trade market for him, but I could also see if there's a quarterback that falls to their lap in the draft. That you know what? Maybe it's time to move forward. Or even if Allen continues to progress and he has him in the thick of the playoff hunt come Christmas.
1: Hey, Bobby, we appreciate the time this morning. We do enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, and thanks again, man. Bobby, thanks, man. Hey, thanks, Dad. Thanks, Moose. Appreciate it, guys. You got it, Bobby Carpenter, uh, NFL analyst, uh, seven-year NFL vet. Uh, you know, great, all-time great Ohio State. Hell of a guy. player, man. Oh, oh no doubt. Yeah.
0: Dad was yeah. a player too. Uh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Gi- uh, not giants. Where'd he play? No, he played with the Giants. He did play with the Giants. Yeah. I correct. The giants.
1: yeah. Uh, about so that. there you have yeah. it. Uh, Bobby Carpenter wrapping up hour number two. We'll come back. We got the three for you. It's Taz and the moose here on this Tuesday morning, right here. CBS sports radio.
0: This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?